thank you, Brent, for that opening as we think of loving each other and how that you shared that we all have likes and dislikes. Um, there's things that I like that my wife doesn't like, and she likes and I don't like. But I think the the key to all that is is uh, compromising and coming to a mutual um, agreement and doing things that we don't like sometimes. Sometimes it's kind of hard. And she's shaking her head. Though she's agreeing with me. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, thank God for that this morning. And we want to uh, continue our uh, series this morning as you have already, uh, those of you that have, have been here, I've been preaching from Ephesians chapter 6 uh, concerning the armor of God. And this morning, the verse is verse 15 in chapter 6 where it says to have your feet shod in preparation of the gospel of peace. We've already talked about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and all the things that are in that, uh, in those uh, pieces of armor. And there are many, there are many things that we could add to that as well. But I guess as I, as I thought about this verse, um, there's a lot of things that came to my mind as I thought about peace, the gospel of peace. And... It took me to uh, many different places. And I guess um, the one, the first thing was um, in Luke chapter 2, the very familiar um, setting there, the Christmas story, the birth of the Son, uh, God's Son. And how that it says there, in verse 14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And I had to think, you know, the night before, there was um, probably lots of things going on, lots of things happening back in this day, just as it was in times past since uh, not in our day, but I think of I think of one account, a couple accounts, especially on the evening of April thirteenth, eighteen sixty-five. The American people went to bed, um, probably um, thinking everything was fine, everything was good, everything was at peace. The next day, April fourteenth. Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. And it caused a big stir. There was unrest. There was uh, peace had been uh, rippled and had uh, caused uh, some disturbance. And the same way on the evening of December 6, 1941, um, the American people went to bed thinking that all is well. And on the next day, December the 7th, 1941, is when Pearl Harbor was bombed. And again, 
the, the, the people, the, the world over, were uh, stirred up and peace was riled up and, and uh, there was no, uh, for a lot of people, there was no internal peace and there was no external peace. There was war and, you know, there's, there's many accounts like that. And I believe that's how it was here in the day uh, that Luke talks about, the birth of Christ here. That night before, everything was fine and everything was good. And the people were, were uh, you know, but the next day, Jesus was born. And the angels uh, proclaimed this and said it, you know, gave the message to the, to the, uh, to the uh, shepherds there that were out in the field watching the, over their flocks and said, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And then verse 14 says, Glory to God in the highest, the angels, the heavenly hosts, praising God. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Can you imagine that setting? I try to sometimes try to think about that and, and think, you know, what, what was that really like? You know, um, there were those shepherds out in the hill, in the field, tending the sheep, and these angels appeared and, and told them to fear not unto you this day is born uh, in, in the city of David, a Savior. And then the, the heavenly host praising God, glory to God. And, you know, all these things were happening. Uh, I'm sure that there were those that were like, what is this about? You know, what, what are we going to do? What, what's happening? And probably fear, you know, that uh, many of the people struggled with. I know even today, you know, there's lots of things happening in our in our world that that um, tend to stir us up and, and get us to thinking, you know, what, what's gonna happen? What's what's you know, what's next? Uh, you know, two years ago we had this thing of COVID and it's still kind of making its track through the communities and through the areas and through the states, counties and um, you know, all kinds of weird things happening, you know. Um, there's no, uh, you know, for, for many, many people, there is no internal peace. But I want to, uh, Lord willing, want to share with you this morning as we think about what Paul is talking about here, as, he, as he's talking about the armor of God. And this is one of the pieces of armor that he wants you to have. He wants your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, what does that mean? Well, we're going to look at some things um, as, we, as we think about this. And I'm sure we're just going to barely scratch the surface. And so as we think about peace, you know, there's, there's three types of peace. There's three types of peace. Number one is peace with God and the peace of God and then peace with others. Kind of like what Brent talked about, you know, loving others. It appears 329 times in the Bible, the word peace. 30 of those times is in Isaiah itself. And especially Isaiah chapter 57 verse 21, it says, there is no peace for the wicked. Now think about that. No peace for the wicked. The wicked, the ones that 
that are not living for Jesus Christ, the ones that are living for self and in all ungodly, immoral practices and things, there is no peace. They are not at peace in their heart. They are struggling day after day after day. You know, things don't go right. You know, there is no peace for the wicked. And it's simply because peace flows from purity. So the more you pursue purity, the more you would discover and enjoy peace in your heart. Think about that. Peace flows from purity. That of, of doing things God's way. That of doing things the way God has told us in His Word. That's commanded. So the more you pursue purity, the more you will discover and enjoy peace in your heart. And so that's why it's important to have your feet shot in the preparation of the gospel. That's a very important part of the armor. You know, the first one was the belt of truth. That is what goes around here. That's what holds up the breastplate of righteousness and the gospel of peace that we're going to put on. The peace that Jesus gives, in John 14, 27, it says, uh, the peace, you know, I give unto you. Um, can't quote that verse right now. But it, it's, a, it's a peace that, that the world can't give, is what he's saying. And so there are many, many verses pertaining to this. As I said, 329 of them in, uh, in fact. So, uh, again, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. A very important part of armor, piece of armor that we need to have. We're going to talk about something. <coughs> and along with what Brent already has shared, kind of in the same area way, when is the last time you looked for an opportunity to share the gospel? When was the last time? You know, there's many times, I have to be honest, there's many times that I think about this, depending on where I'm at, what I'm doing, where I'm going. In fact, um, you know, I was just in Texas here a couple of weeks ago, and one of the guys there, he kept, uh, he kept talking about, it was cold there, and he kept talking about, the uh, global warming, that kind of mindset thing. He said, you know, where is that all at? What's going on? You know, supposed to be global warming. It's cold there. And so we had, we had uh, different uh, opportunities to share and to talk about a little bit. I didn't really get into the Word of God. But, you know, like I said, there's times when we have opportunity and we fail. And we fail with you that. So when is the last time you prayed for an unsaved person? By name, to come to Christ. I can assure you this morning that every one of us here know of someone who doesn't know the Lord or doesn't go to church or is not saved. Um, and so we need to pray for them. That is part of putting on the, the, the having our feet shod in the preparation of the gospel. You know, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The, the uh, New International Version says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? 
How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the New International Version. And so what he's saying there is it's our responsibility. It's beautiful if we go and we share the word, the word of God, with those um, who are lost. <clears throat> and so this morning, we're going to get right into the message as we think about the uh, gospel of peace. And as we continue to study this, the whole armor of God, we continually need to be reminded why this is such an important topic in verses 10 to 13 there. Where he says, <clears throat> Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. These were the words of the Apostle Paul. And then he goes right into the message. He says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I believe this morning, brothers and sisters, that if there's ever a time that we need to put on the whole armor of God so that we're going to be able to stand the test of time, the time is now. The time is now. Men and women all around us are caving in to peer pressure, to the things of the world, the spirit that is not of God, doing things contrary to the Word of God. It's happening right before our eyes. It's, it's happening all around us. And we need to be on guard. We need to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Know where we stand, what we believe, how we feel, what our convictions are, and be able to share the gospel with those who are lost. <clears throat> God's command to His people is that they stand against the attacks of the enemy. The word stand is a military term. It means to hold a critical position during a time of enemy attack. To stand and to not move. Not be pushed over. Not to be swayed or, or convinced or whatever. It is the image of a soldier refusing to yield even one inch of ground to an attacking foe. And we as God's people, God has given us the armor here to, to put on and to make a very vital part of our lives so that we can stand the test of time. God has, has given his people some very precious possessions. He has given us truth. He has given us his church. He has given us his word, his grace, his salvation, his blessing. The list goes on and on. And the devil wants all of it. He will not stop at nothing to take everything we have been given by the Lord. He's going to do everything he can to trip us up and to snare us and to drag us away. <clears throat> so if we're to keep what we have received from the Lord, we must stand and hold on to the critical ground we have received from the Lord. As I already said, we talked about a couple weeks ago, the God of Truth refers to a life of total commitment to the Lord. It refers to a life that is built upon faithfulness to the Word of God and to the God of the Word. <clears throat> I know we live in a we live in a time when everybody's busy. We have this going and that going, and we got uh, 
this place to go and that place to do and work to do, and, you know, and, and, and we just go, we're, we're constantly on the move, constantly running. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, more, we need to take time to read the word and to put it on the belt of truth because it's very important. This belt of truth will provide you uh, the, the soldier stability and it also provides a place for the other pieces of armor to rest, as we already mentioned. <clears throat> and then we have the breastplate of righteousness. It refers to the power of the holy life. A holy life, that is a, a life that is lived according to the teachings of God in His Word. It's a powerful defense against the attacks of the enemy. And so when we allow sin to dwell in our lives, we give Satan the beachhead from which he can attack us and exploit us. As he talks about in chapter 4, verse 27. Let me just look at that verse. He says, neither give place to the devil. It's that simple. Don't give him an opportunity. Don't give him room. Do as Joseph did. Let your coat fall off and run. Flee. Turn your way. <clears throat> Today, as we continue to discuss the spirit-filled warfare, we want to consider the gospel of peace. And so let's examine this a little bit. Why, why are these uh, boots, why are these shoes to be shod, feet to be shod, why are they, they desired? You know, we take shoes for granted, don't we? How many times or did you think about your shoes? Why don't you just put them on, right? Because you don't want to go barefoot out in the cold. Well, I ought to go anywhere without shoes. My feet are pretty tender. There was a day when it wasn't like that. I could run and walk across stone and all that. But, but you know what? We, we all have uh, different kinds of shoes for nearly every different kind of activity. You know, we have dress shoes, we have casual shoes, we have work shoes, shoes that wear when we go walking. Lots of shoes. Somewhere to prepare. And I know that in, in other parts of the world, they don't have any shoes. They go barefoot. But anyway, shoes are made to, for their purpose. They, they have a purpose. And we're going to look at it a little bit. Um, and we don't go out and bail hay with sandals on. I'm sure you probably could, but it wouldn't be a good idea. Or you would go pour concrete with sandals on. Or do con uh, construction work. You know, there are shoes that are made for different kinds of work. I wouldn't want to go walking um, a long ways with my Sunday shoes. They're nice shoes. They fit good. But I wouldn't want to go walking because it would hurt my feet after a while. And so it's very important that we... Um, we protect our feet from the dangers of walking uh, without good, good shoes. They keep us warm, they keep us dry, they keep us safe. Um, think about how important shoes are to certain professions. <coughs> As we already said, you know, construction workers, um, football players, you know, they don't go out and play football in their Sunday shoes. Um, baseball players, tennis players, you know, different sports, they have shoes that they wear. And so as important as shoes are to an athlete, the construction worker, them, or even, they are even more important to a soldier. Good, uh, solid, uh, 
dependable shoes for a soldier. Um, they need to have that so they can depend on their, on their because of their, their foundation, it was their feet, their, where they had to walk and to climb, you know, so they had cleats on them. <clears throat> They're required to march long distance, fight battles in all types of environments, walk through jungles, over rocks, cross stream beds, go to sharp, jagged rocks, slog through the snow, cross burning deserts. Can't imagine all of the different kinds of environment that those guys have to go through. But they're trained for that, and they have shoes for that. And so it is this morning with you and I. God has called us to put on this piece of armor called the gospel of peace. He has, he has given it to us to equip us to stand the wiles of the enemy, the devil. It's very important. You know, the soldier, he might not be able to stand and fight. He might not be able to march. He might not be able to properly handle his weapons. He certainly could not advance on the enemy. Sore feet would deter undermine the soldier's ability to stand firm. You know, the Roman soldier, the image Paul is using to illustrate the whole armor of God, wore leather boots that protected the feet and the ankles. These boots called the calica were a half boot that allowed the soldier to advance toward the enemy undistracted about what they might step on. It was the soldier's preparation for battle. These boots usually had a, what they call hobnailed soles, which means they had bits of metal or nails driven through them. It gave the soldier uh, great traction as he climbed hills and fought on uneven terrain. And so if we're going to stand the wiles of the devil, we must have on the proper spiritual footwear, right? We must have it in place. We can be girt about with truth. We can have on the breastplate of righteousness. But if we neglect to have our feet shod in preparation of the gospel, we're destined to stumble and fall. It's just that important. So what do they depict? The word preparation refers to being ready. Be instant in season, out of season. Always be ready to give an answer of the reason or the reason of the hope that lies within it. Titus 3 1, which says, uh, <clears throat> Paul says there to Timothy, but Titus says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. To what does this kind of readiness refer? In one sense, it means that the child of God must always be ready to be about the business of sharing the gospel for the loss of the dying world. You know, when we said yes to Jesus Christ and no to the world, we took on that responsibility. God is holding us accountable. He is telling us that it's now our responsibility. We are to, we are to share the gospel. He has given it to us. He's laid upon our hearts. And we need to make it real. <clears throat> there is a sense in which all believers are to be actively engaged in the business of evangelism. Peter said it this way in chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready 
always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Matthew also tells us in 28, chapter 28, there, verse 19 and 20, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded. All things. And I believe the gospel of peace, the word of God, and the God of the word is what we are to be shown. And of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. That's what advances the kingdom of God, when you and I share the gospel. And you know, um, it's one of those things, it's one of those things that that never um, was stamped out or gotten rid of. As hard as they tried, as hard as they tried, they tried to stamp out the word of God. They tried to martyr men and women for the sake of Jesus Christ. And the more that they tried to, to kill them and to martyr them and, and beat them and, and all kinds of horrible things, the more that they did, the more that God's word grew. And I believe this morning that no matter what the cost, that's what we are to do. We're to share the gospel. That's what this gospel of peace uh, is talking about. <clears throat> You know, as I think of many of those who were martyred, they were not ashamed. They shared the gospel. They were faced with death. They were taken to the state to be burnt alive. They were to be dumped into uh, barrels of hot oil. They were skinned alive. Their limbs were cut one at a time. You know, all kinds of horrible but they would not denounce Jesus Christ. The gospel of peace. They had the internal peace that came out no matter what the situation. And they still burned in that. Their feet were shot with the gospel of peace. <clears throat> what these boots, what this gospel of peace will deliver. It wasn't always that way. You know, before we were saved, I remember, you know, in my younger years, before I came to know the Lord, you know, the Bible says we're enemies of God. Romans chapter 5. When God saved us, he reconciled us to himself. Verses 10 to 11. When he did, he declared us to be at peace with him. That internal peace to, to show outwardly that peace with God, your Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Colossians 1, verse 21 and 22 says, And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind 
by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled the body of his flesh through death to present the holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Beloved, the gospel of peace that Paul refers to here is the marvelous news that in Christ we are at peace with God. Think about that. When we are in Christ, Christ in us, we are at peace with God. And therefore, um, having our feet shot in preparation of the gospel of peace, it means that we stand in the absolute confidence that God loves us. God is showing us that he has forgiven us. That we are united with Him. We're one with Him. That He fights for us. That all is well with our souls. It is a confidence that we're saved. We know where we stand. An example of this kind of peace, uh, examples of this kind of peace abound throughout the Bible and the Old Testament. You know, think about the children of Israel under the leadership of Gideon in uh, Judges chapter 6 there. Witness the Lord reduced the size of the army from 32,000 men to 300. Now just thinking about that, you know, off the top of your head, like, wow, insert all your photos yeah. and videos well, in. Those 300 men placed their confidence in the Lord and followed him into battle. They saw the Lord defeat an immense Midianite army without the use of a single weapon. <clears throat> All those men did was what? Break the clay jars, didn't they? They broke those clay jars, made that unbelievable sound of glass breaking, along the length inside the shine, blow a trumpet, cry the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, their faith in the Lord's promise gave them the confidence to stand and to win the battle. <clears throat> you know, we talked here some, some time ago about the, the army that <clears throat> marched around the Jericho. You know, I believe that those men had their feet shot in the preparation of the gospel. They knew where they stood. And they were obedient. They were submissive. They they done what they were told to do. And when they marched around those walls on the seventh time, they were commanded to shout and to blow the trumpet. What happened? The walls came to God will give us the same victory. He will give us that same that same uh, uh, kind of, of, of victory to overcome. The enemy, if we stand firm on what he has, what he has given us. Now Simon Peter drew his sword against the soldiers who came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He did this because he had just seen the whole group fall to the ground when they asked Jesus if he was the, only, uh, the one they saw. And he replied, I am he. And they all fell down on their knees. In that moment, Peter felt like he was invincible. And he was ready. He was ready to take on the whole army. The redeemed child of God who stands in the Lord's power and full assurance of the Lord's salvation does not have to fear any enemy. 
confidence in the day of battle does not rest in our own power, but in the promises of God. Here is what he promises his children. Romans 8, verse 31 to 39. What shall we then say to these things? All these things that are happening. It goes on to say, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. <coughs> Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of God? <coughs> the love of Christ. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? <coughs> As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Then he closes there by saying, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Who? God. The Lord Jesus. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angel, principality, power, things present, things to come, height, depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that your testimony this morning? Those promises, those truths are the shoes that give us the ability to stand in the evil day. That's what will overcome. That's how you are going to be victorious. The truth that we are loved by the Lord gives us a confidence to stand. The truth that we're saved by His grace gives us a confidence to stand. The truth that we are his children gives us confidence to stand. So in conclusion this morning, as you think about the armor of God and these pieces that we've already talked about, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and now today the gospel of peace, are you ready to stand? Are you ready to stand? Brothers and sisters, this morning, the battle is real. The battle is real. When we leave here, the enemy is waging war against us. And it seems like, it seems like he attacks us from all angles. And from angles that you don't even think about. Very deceptive, very sly, very um, slippery in ways that will try to trip us up and to get us to stumble and fall. And the only way that we're going to be able to stand is if we have our feet shot in preparation of the gospel. Are you ready to stand? May God give you grace. May He give you strength. May he give you that inner peace to be able to have the gospel of peace that is real and a part of your life so that you can be able to stand against the wild of the day. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, this morning we say thank you for the opportunity of a 
allowing us to be here. Thank you for each one that has come out. And Lord, this morning we have again been reminded from your word. Think about these scriptures in Ephesians 6 concerning the armor of God and the pieces that you have given us through the love of Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote and penned these words, Lord, for us today. We thank you for the, this direction. Thank you for <coughs> the confidence that we have in uh, having these, these scriptures applied to our hearts and to our lives and that, that we would be able to be strengthened, to be strong, and to stand firm Lord, in the day, the days of God. And especially, Father, I pray for each one in the congregation here. I pray that you would empower them with the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the bell of truth, and that each one would be able to go forth <coughs> tomorrow, the next day, and all the days to come, share the gospel, and to stand in, <coughs> in the gap to hold forth the banner of truth. As you have commissioned us, as you have told us, we thank you, Lord, and we praise you. Guide us in practice.